Welcome to the Black Duck Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Wilkins. I'm excited to have you join me as I speak with a fascinating collection of folks, all of whom have in common that they've made a way for themselves by finding an intersection between thoughtful consideration and the tactile work of getting their hands dirty. This is an examination of intention, capability, and craft. It's where philosophy meets the blue-collar work ethic and where I find real value. The 2023 Black Duck Revival Turkey Tour is brought to you by Rome Adventure Company, makers of high quality and rugged outdoor gear to get you where you want to be on all your vehicle-based adventures. I've got the Black Duck Revival van outfitted with the Vagabond XL tent that sleeps three to four people. It's got a three-inch high density foam mattress, very comfortable, and an anti-condensation pad to keep you warm and dry. Takes just five minutes to set up and another five to put back in the morning, and you're on your way to wherever the road might take you. Please check out Rome Adventure Company at RomeAdventureCo.com. Get on the road and make the most of it. The Black Duck Revival podcast is sponsored by our friends over at Hunters of Color. Hunters of Color is a 501c3 nonprofit. They're the only nationwide hunting nonprofit led by BIPOC for BIPOC. They're working on increasing black, indigenous, and other peoples of color participation in hunting for the sake of conservation, food sovereignty, and to preserve our ancestral traditions. They do that by focusing on their three pillars, which is mentorship, conservation, and education. Actually, right now, I'm in California chasing turkeys with my good friend and co-founder of Hunters of Color, Jimmy Flett. Uh, Last night when we were drinking some beers, Jimmy told me that last year, Hunters of Color was able to get 1,000 new folks out into the field to learn about hunting, conservation, and what this is all about and why it's so important to all of us. So if you want to get involved with Hunters of Color, if you want to support that good work that they're doing, check them out at their website. It's huntersofcolor.org or on all social media platforms, Hunters of Color. Now to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Black Duck Revival podcast. Uh, This week, I'm so excited because uh, this is an interview I've been wanting to do for like two years. The first time I met this guy is Jesse Griffiths, down Texas way, new school of traditional cookery. Uh, You might have seen his books, A Field, The Hog Book. You might have seen him on multiple episodes of Meat Eater, or you might have dined at his fantastic restaurant, Die Dewey, there in Austin, Texas. Jesse is not just one of my favorite people in this kind of hunting space that I find myself in nowadays, but he's just one of my favorite people in general. Uh, the first time I got to hang out with him was up at, up at the lodge there in Brinkley, and uh, me and Jesse and a buddy of his, Mark, spent a few days on the bayous there that I love so much, chasing catfish. And the fact that Jesse, you know, who has access to phenomenal hunting properties, phenomenal places to fish, wanted to spend his time driving 10 hours up to the Arkansas Delta and chasing catfish there with me. I think it speaks to the character of the guy. He's looking for these experiences that I so much identify with. I love the way he looks at life. I love the way he approaches food and allowing it to be what it is. The way he puts food together is it. It's like alchemy, right? Like it seems simple. It is simple. It's also really well thought out. Sometimes kind of complicated uh, as far as the backstory behind it. But usually, uh, what's really making it fantastic is quality ingredients and really great execution. And I think Jesse does that through every facet of his life. Uh, you know, as a parent, as a restaurateur, as a boss, as a teacher, as a mentor, as an inspiration. So uh, please enjoy this conversation with my friend Jesse Griffiths. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Black Duck Revival podcast. This time from southeastern Texas. Uh, Not far from, can we say, not far from Corpus Christi? I'd say right between Corpus and San Antonio. Cool. That's all y'all need to know. 
Uh, I guess it doesn't really matter in Texas because it's all private. So it's not like yeah. I'm, I'm usually I'm like I don't even want people to know where I'm hunting at. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I am wrapping up here in the next hour or so. We'll all be heading back out uh, after what four days, four or five days of turkey hunting down here with Jesse Griffiths, uh, restaurateur, chef, cookbook author. Uh, I would argue one of this is going to be heavy to start with, man, but one of modern hunting's great philosophers is how I'm doing you. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, man. I, uh, Bombastic. And, it, and it's not even, it's, 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 uh, it's in the way you consider stuff. It's not a bunch of, like, on-your-sleeve type stuff. Or maybe it is really on-your-sleeve because it's just, like, in the residue of how you conduct yourself. Uh, but d d truth be told, I've been... I'm often disappointed when I meet people that I've, you know, seen on the interwebs uh, and, and in their approach to hunting. And, and I haven't really met like any dirt bags, but just it's not quite. It's not quite the way I would want them to see it, but like the way you see stuff is is better than I imagined, man. Like it's it's serious, but it's unpretentious and it's fuck, man. Best I told you yesterday, man, best food I've had in hunt camp ever. Oh, that's good to hear. That's very kind. I mean, also you're 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 here on on invitation uh, for many of the same reasons. You know, um, that would well, I guess you. that would be a mutual admiration. Uh, you know, after uh, went up there and did that limb lining trip yeah, through the swamps uh, for catfish and just realized your uh, acumen and just uh, just how good you are at being outdoors. Um, you know, you just, you want to surround yourself with, with people like that. Cause I, I think that it's just important to learn, you know, and you can learn Dude, from yeah, yeah. everyone, especially cause I feel like we're probably around similar states in our, uh, our phases mm -hmm. in our, mm -hmm. in our turkey hunting education. Sure. I, I look at it as a, as like an education from like kindergarten through, uh, you know, PhD. Where and do you feel you're at? I'm in first grade. First grade. Yeah. So you can like write your name. Yeah. You can go pee pee by yourself. Yeah. Uh, there's still going to be accidents. You got to have a fresh oh, yeah. pair of pants at school. Yeah. Um, I'm about right there. Proudly right there. Yeah. Worked hard to get there. And so I, I feel like, I mean, I didn't mean to, to, no, no, to no, pigeonhole no. you in, in first grade of turkey school as well. Definitely there. I told you, man, that bird I killed yesterday was, and that would be my ninth turkey. And it's absolutely, it's like the first bird that I like I all by myself set up called in they boogered at 20 yards and i called them back and killed yeah. them you know like that was you know maybe 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 second semester first grade yeah uh man these these turkeys are i don't want to get too lost into the turkey thing actually man but uh i, I want to jump real quick on like who is here because what makes hunt camp ultimately what makes hunt camp good is the people like that's what is the differentiator all the other stuff, right? Like we had like a nice place to stay and, you know, a, a ranch to ourselves, but you could be in a bed buggy motel, right? And if you're with really awesome people and you're having fun and you're having, you have got enough of a balance of like having some poignant conversations at times and, you know, still just being people and not trying to not try to ruminate too much on everything and like impress folks with like how thoughtful you are, uh, dude. And so it's been you, uh, me, Ben O'Brien, uh, and chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois. Is it? Mm, yeah. Is that the right pronunciation? Jean-Paul Bourgeois. Yeah, dude. And which was my first time getting to hunt with that dude. And he is awesome. Uh, and Jody Horton, man, who isn't long, just like hanging out and taking some pictures and stuff. Uh, and he's a fascinating character. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you man, you you know what you're really good at. You're really good at attracting really good people. I I've always said that, you know, and it's like that's a compliment that I will take and I will expand on. And I, I feel like in the restaurant setting too, um, I think that you know my greatest talent is is finding uh, people like good, great great people, and then that, I mean that really helps you execute a vision that you know one person couldn't possibly do, and then also letting other people contribute you know i think it's so important you know like everybody that was here uh was was a total contributor in a way and 
I mean, in one way or the other, whether it was hunting or cooking or just talking conceptually about food. And so sure. absolutely. It was a, it was a really stacked house. Like it was, it was good. Very and you good. mentioned that the other day when we were talking about, you know, just like ways to start our day. And like last night, and you mentioned a word, which I think is super important, what you're talking about. Uh, and it, I don't think it's anything I really have elaborated on much in this podcast, but the idea of leadership, right? I, it really put it together for me too that you know that's really what you, what you've you know developed yourself into right as a leader and you're talking about like that balance of leadership and like the more I've known you the more I've been around you, like you're incredibly, uh, like you just at first glance like a very nice dude right you're like a big burly dude but you have like a really soft measured voice right which like that combination like is ingratiating to people and stuff, uh, but you like you also you have like a really blue collar kind of work ethic and approach to food. Uh, and I really do get the sense that like you, you have expectations of the people that work for you, you know, like you're obviously a very driven person, but I think you, I think you would get rid of somebody if they were like, you know, really fucking up, but like the folks that come in and like they, they work, and, and I don't mean just like physically they work, but like it works, it works within the system. Like they really, they're, they're working in a place of, uh, where their aptitude is like respected and acknowledged and appreciated and compensated for. Mm, right. That, yeah. I, I couldn't say that better. And I think that, you know, it didn't really, I didn't always know that. I mean, this is in the context of the restaurant and also the hunting classes we do is just bringing in good people and letting them, letting them be great you know and then telling them when they're great and just trying to really uh give them a platform and boost them up also know that they're not always going to be working for you and that's kind of you know that should be your goal is that you know as much as they might be great you kind of want them to go on one day and do greater things and then you hope that one day they say i did great things because i worked at this place mm -hmm. and, you know and and you can be really proud of that. And so I think, yeah, like just, I mean, but surrounding yourself by, by people that know anything, it's just, it's such a stimulating thing, whether you're in a hunting camp or you're running a restaurant or anything like that. I think it's very important to let yourself be open to the, not only open, but excited by the idea that you don't know everything, mm -hmm. you know, and there's just, there's so much to learn and so many perspectives. Um, and, and allow people to, to teach you as well. I've always say like at the restaurant in particular, it's a two way street of, you know, it's our, our role to teach people skills, whatever, if it's management or breaking down a hog or cooking over a fire or making kimchi or biscuits or whatever it is, uh, you know, you, you provide them with the skills and it's their job to work really hard, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's a, and if, if those two things get out of balance, then that's where you have issues. And that's when you address those issues immediately. And it seems to work pretty well. And it seems to also weed out people that aren't, aren't, uh, willing to do that interaction. And I think that, I mean, that applies to a lot of things and like, we're, we're both going to be hunting turkeys a lot this year. And I think that the, the parallel, uh, is, is pretty obvious to me there in that, that we both have a lot to learn about hunting turkeys. Sure. And so the more people that we surround ourselves with that are hunting turkeys, be it, I mean, even somebody that has, um, hunted turkeys way less than us will teach us things yeah. because then it's like, you remember what it's like to learn. And I think it's really important to be sometimes when you're a teacher, it's, it's best when you're like, Hey, I don't know all these things, you know? And so like, and, and it, it puts people at, at a more at peace with like listening to what you have to say because you're kind of learning together. And so, I mean, I, I'm really excited about this season in that I get to hunt with a bunch of people that are either, fanatical turkey hunters or chefs or both yeah and folks that are better than you right? yeah like yeah. i've been hunting a bunch with uh ben the last couple of days dude i felt bad last night because i was like man you go over here and i go over here and he's like am i that bad to hunt with you don't want to hunt with me in the morning and i was like <laughs> oh dude i thought i was i thought you didn't want to hunt with me i'll come rock with you dog because man he's he's really good and he's done it a lot in a in a lot of different places and uh i've definitely 
Man, so I would say I've learned a ton from him. I would say I've learned a ton from Jimmy Flat over there in Oregon. And the quality that both of them have, uh, like in spades more than me, is they're more patient than I am. 100%. You that's know? that's Ben. Ben is like super hardcore about going out and sitting Yeah, he's still hardcore about waiting. Day. Yeah. yeah you know, I mean, now he'll move. Yeah, it, but it's but, not yeah. boring, but like, dude, I'm like, every 15 minutes, I'm like, uh, maybe we should get after that. Go to get closer. I think that's the overarching conundrum of turkey hunting, right there. Is is I mean, you could sit still and it's comf- comfortable in a lot of ways. Mm. And then you know, I think I told you this is like my least favorite part of turkey hunting is standing up. Yeah, it terrifies dude. me, dude. When I was crawling up on those birds today, that's what I was. I was like psyching myself up to stand up, even mm. though I had that truck in between us. I uh, mean, because how many times have you? stood up and you just see that yeah, yeah it's pop a, off i mean there's i think there's so many allegories in these stories and and you know like circling that background you know like ben and his approach and like and his leadership and because he's definitely the most experienced here he's very sage about uh, uh turkey hunting and he knows so much and and ta- from tactics to biology and other mm. things like that um he he brings a lot a lot to the table but overall um you know i think it's it's worth pointing out and this is not uh, to his detriment that he is of the the four of us hunting the only one that hasn't killed a bird he's still out there he's going to be perfectly happy not killing a bird if he doesn't get one this morning well but he also said i mean like jean paul killed a bird the first 30 minutes of us hunting because like ben got him on that bird and called that bird in and yep. fired that bird up for right sure. and then the last two days me and him have been hunting together yeah uh like kind of with the understanding that i was gonna because it was my birthday a couple of days ago so we were trying to kill a bird on my birthday you know getting it done the next day uh but yeah i mean he sacrificed a couple opportunities to kill a bird uh man i, I feel like he's gonna i feel like he'll end up all right by the end of turkey season well, yeah, we're, I mean, actually, we're hunting together. For, yeah. I think we, Ben and I have uh, something like to 16 or 20 days of turkey hunting together, um, which might might propel me into second grade. Yeah, yeah, maybe, <laughs> you man. Know, I think, I mean, just, just through osmosis. Just dude, to- I, I think you can, dude, I actually think you can get up uh, to above average. Like, uh, Ben's always talking about the aggregate, just because I think he worked in marketing for so long. But, you know, I'm, I would call, like, the mean or the average, right? Like, I think you're going to – I think you're going to quickly become, you know, like, better than the average turkey hunter, right, which gets you up, right? So, I mean, I think you could get to GED level fairly fairly quickly, you know, because you're also – I mean, think about how many – how much time, how much different terrain you're going to hunt turkeys on, dude. You're going to hunt turkeys as much – this year as much as – a lot of people will have in their life. Mm-hmm. So you get that experience, right? And it's all about experience. Yeah, I think five years of, of really hunting hard and, and trying to figure it out and surrounding yourself with the right people, man, you can get where you you can get to be like really proficient. How did you get into turkey hunting? Uh, man, I had, you know, I had been over the years uh, and just like never really even heard a gobble, uh, you know, that, I had I had never struck a bird, right? And in Arkansas, they're few and far between. So I had, you know, gone turkey hunting maybe half a dozen times, and it just seemed I didn't get it, right? But then, uh, then this like it just all came together this one year where uh, Jimmy had invited me out to Oregon uh, to hunt turkeys, and then Sitka invited me out to Kansas, and so I did this. I did this deal where I drove to Kansas and hunted, and then I drove from there to Denver and flew into Oregon and spent, like, five days in Oregon. And, like, I missed a turkey in Kansas, killed two turkeys uh, in Oregon. It was just like, ugh. Like, you know, I I heard enough gobbles. I understood what was going on. Or just I saw, saw a little bit. And I heard those gobbles, and I was, man, it was it was wild. After that second turkey, I told Jimmy, man, like, I thought about those turkeys all through the spring and the summer and, like, all through duck season. And I was like, man, I'm going to, I got this van. I'm going to put a bed in the back of this van and go 
And then I ended up last year in California and Oregon. And me and Jimmy killed. I think like, I think we killed like nine turkeys in like 10 days. Wow. Like it was gnarly, dude. And look, hunting on like just, just like wildly cool places. They've got a ton of turkeys out West. I don't think that's a secret. I mean, there's places out West where there's just a ton of turkeys where there's, you know, you can see flocks of 80 in the spring. Mm Mm-hmm. So there's just lots of access and lots of opportunity, and there's not a ton of people hunting in the Willamette River Valley for turkeys, you know. And, right. Uh, dude, I think the first time I like had my hands on a dead one too, and I like, I think the head, in, uh, the head intrigues me so much. Like it's so big and it's so different than a duck. Like a duck is so dainty. You know, mm. like you can get all dainty. the way, you can get all the way down to a little teal, like a a small. First, first, you know, like or bird of the year, hen teal. I mean, this is essentially a dove, right? And then you get to this turkey, and it's like I don't know if you could break its skull with one whack from a ball peen hammer. Like this thing is built like a tank, and mm-hmm. so beautiful. And you know, like the combination of the weird waddle and the the iridescence of the feathers and that. I mean, dude, everything I could talk about, seeing the light catch their tail feathers. Dude, I'll tell you what's going to be dope, man. Are you going to get into Miriam's at all uh, this year? No, because we're, we're going to be in eastern Oregon, and so there might be some hybrids yeah, there, yeah, but yeah. mostly Rios. Dude, I killed a – and it, this has got to be some sort of hybrid, man. But it was I showed it to a turkey biologist. He's like, I'd call that a Miriam. It looked like a Miriam. But I remember when that bird came in, and he was with other toms. But he was fanned out in the – the sunlight on the tips of those feathers, man, they're white. They're like real, mm-hmm. real different than like the Rio tips. I mean, it was, it was like looking at the burning bush or something, dude. It was, yeah, they, I think they exist on a, they exist. In, we, we've talked a little bit about like, gotten a little too, you know, hippie maybe, but like spiritual planes or planes of existence. And even how that, we were talking a little bit about religion and stuff, but also just, you know how the way a turkey sees the world is very different. Like I think you could fairly describe that as a different. They exist on a slightly different, you know, plane or wavelength, right? Mm-hmm. And like a turkey intersect, like it's a bird. It can fly, but by many metrics, it shouldn't be able to, right? It shouldn't be able to move as fast as it can, right? Like it. it, it when we killed that bird yesterday, Jean Paul was actually laying on the ground on his side, so that I could. Uh, I could, I had access to, to swing where the way this bird came in and those two toms came in and they were drumming, you know, they're and he's like, man, I could hear it in the ground. It was vibrating the ground. You know, it's like, uh, it's like, they're kind of like elephants or something, man. I don't know, dude. And they're making that deep, deep sound that you have to be up in their world to even for it even register. Like you would never hear that if you weren't just right in on top of them. Right. Mm-hmm. That spitting and, I mean, you can tell I'm just going like, it's, you know, I just don't understand them too, which is cool, right? Like you don't want to figure something all the way out. Mm-hmm. And they, yeah, I, I I just think they're, they're kind of like a platypus, man. You know, like a platypus is this combination of like all these things. It seems like it shouldn't work and it works. Like it lays eggs and has a poison spur and a duck bill and yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're mystical. Yeah. And what what a succinct way to say it. <laughs> I I mean I, I'm I'm also fascinated by them. I'm fascinated by their size and, and their beauty and the way they function in, in the woods and mm-hmm. and also motivated by how delicious they are. Yeah. And I mean I think it's like and not just like damn these things are tasty, but it's like that's a to me, um and I'm I'm perpetually avoiding the being typecast as the hog guy yeah yeah. you know i i do like to eat feral hog but um uh, i i also like a more diverse diet and turkeys to me represent this uh, beautiful source of meat that the whole family really enjoys everybody's you know, it's, about it it's yeah. approachable but it's also distinct it's like it's 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 wild game but it's, it's very easy um and I just, I love them for that reason too. I mean, I see those 
big birds and I mean I'm thinking food among other things but just the and we were trying to define it the other day it's like it's it's a it's a bunch of different factors that kind of come together and and time of year it's a beautiful time of year to be in the woods Mm. and it's uh, kind of the only thing going this time unless you're in a place that has bear hunting in the spring Um, crappie well crappie fishing yeah I'm kind of like I'm torn about that like this there's there's a (laughs) there's an overlap of seasons for me like passions and one being crappie fishing and white bass fishing and and then turkey hunting can't do them all at the same time yeah you can Uh, i've thought about them dude if so you the places you're going you're not you're only going to georgia georgia's like georgia and texas would be the southern places right Mm -hmm. dude i mean so next year i'm gonna go across the south east and work my way up the east coast dude and I'm going to have a canoe on top and a fishing pole. And, dude, you absolutely. I mean, th- there'd be so many places. If you killed a turkey early, you'd go catch a mess of brim or yeah. you'd catch some crappies on a, a jig or something, dude. Yeah. And, like, surfing turf that night. Like, that'd be yeah. amazing. Cast and blast. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it is. There's a lot. I mean, oh, I mean, not, not hunting-wise, there's a lot going on in the woods right now. There's also a lot of forged, st- forged things, you know, in Texas. Yeah, dude, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at morel tattoos on your arm. <laughs> Um, I love you, dude. Also, the tattoos, man. Like you said, when we met each other, you were like, man, you're the only other person I've ever met that has a, a sunfish on your arm, like a brim sunfish, right? right? Uh, yeah, you got good ones. Acorns, feathers, mushrooms. Uh, what do you got? Crappie, shell cracker over there? White bass. That's a, that's a red breast sunfish. That's a native Texas sunfish. Okay. Really similar to a bluegill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, they grow a little bigger, and they live in the rivers down here. And um I just have always loved them. A white bass, man. That's a, uh, I'll use a word that she used last time I was here hunting, man. That's esoteric. Mm. Yeah. A white bass tattoo, man. That's got to, there can't be too many folks with it. Yeah. Your buddy Drew gave me that one. And uh, he, I think he said it's his only, or his first white bass at the time. See, and I that's remember. the thing, and, man. And he tattoos fish on people. And he knew, Sport you, fish. he knew you were a real one just because you wanted a white bass. <laughs> You know, I mean, everybody and their mama's got these trout tattoos, and I'm not hating on them, but like, I'm not, I have not been pulled in by the mystique of trout. Me neither. You know, uh, I'm not mad at them, and you know, it's something that me and Marianne like to go, and Marianne really likes running like a, it's like a spin cast rod, rod with a marabou jig on it, and catching, like casting, she really likes sight casting. Yeah. Uh, I really like setting lines, you know, so, but we go, when it gets hot, man. It is fun to go when it's like 97 degrees in July in Arkansas and you go up north to the Red River. You know, it's like dam control. So the water is always 45 degrees, mm. which is why it's they got just full of trout and stuff. But, man, you get down on the river, dude, and, like, it'll be a 30-degree temperature difference next to it. Yeah. So you can – summertime's great time to go out there and, and you know, if you don't – if you don't not mess up being a purist and you'll use corn or power bait, man, like – kids can wear out catch catch a lot definitely not a purist i I do like to eat trout yeah but i mean they're not i'd way rather have a catfish or a crappie or a buffalo yeah yeah i'm with you on that you do much with buffalo fish a little we catch them in cast nets down here every once in a while by accident um you know we catch a lot of a gas you know uh, freshwater drum Yeah, yeah we get a ton of those here and uh, you know, I, I I appreciate those too. We'll catch those on minnows and jigs as well while we're fishing for crappie. But yeah, I mean, I like all the fish. I think they're pretty cool. You know, like gar, catfish, gar, great man, gar, great, bouillets, man. Yeah, uh, yeah, I did. I I was talking to someone about this. I didn't know until the last couple of years that people uh, thought derisively of catfish. I thought everybody liked eating catfish. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know people were like, oh, I would never. I think they're great, dude. I mean, I'll tell you when they're really good, man. When you catch them, and, and no one chases them when it's cold, man. But when they're it's cold, and their metabolism is slowed down, and uh, and you catch them, man, they they taste so clean. Yeah, you know, like in the heat of the summer, like in real warm water, they can get a little funky, man. But huh. when they're nice and cold, man, like the the flesh is real firm. It's great eating. Most of the catfishing that I do is on this ranch. Uh, this lake that we're on is a catfish factory. It yeah, is you're, are you setting lines for them? 
we weighed trot lines out. So it's my, one of my favorite things to do is we'll take a, like the bloodshot part of a hog or a deer mm-hmm. that's you know essentially going into the gut pile. And this is when you're doing a class at the new school of traditional yeah. cooking. Right. Right. And uh, we'll, we'll just cut the bloodshot off of it, or if we're down here just having fun. Uh, and we'll dice that up in little one-inch cubes, and then we'll add salt and Steen's syrup or molasses, whatever we got. Oh, really? Sweet. Yeah. So we'll add salt to firm that up, and that makes excellent trot line bait mm-hmm. but i just love it too because it's it's recycled yeah 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 you know we took something that we couldn't use off of an animal that we'd taken for food and then we can convert that into catfish yeah and we uh we weighed trot lines out which is just really easy there's no you know to put in a boat you just throw on two guys throw on some waders and we just walk out there and the colder and nastier it gets the better it is down here like uh, me and another guide were uh setting a trot line last season uh, and it was sleeting on us down here. And then the next time we went back to it, I think we had something like 12 or 15 fish really? on the line. Yeah. We're running, I think, a 50-hook line. And, I mean, just loaded. And they're they're good size, perfectly sized blue cats, you know, that three-pound fish yeah, that you yeah. want that's either a good filet or a really nice big whole fish for frying or roasting or whatever. And uh, we, we bleed them. Uh, so we'll, we'll pull them out and immediately – bleed them mm-hmm. you know uh you know stick them in the in the brain and then the gills and then cut them around the tail and then put them in an ice slurry and it's it is the finest eating it's so good uh and I, I don't really comprehend why people don't like catfish we get flatheads every once in a while and that's Dude, that's you know, that's like a catfish and a lobster had a baby man yeah they're great the belly meat off that and it's been if it's been appropriately bled and then um and then iced mm-hmm. and then our, our camp chef jeremy baker hey hold on just, one second whiskers getting you. a little beard interference uh jeremy is uh he's he's just one of the the best cooks i've ever known he's just intuitive and he makes this masa battered catfish and it's dry masa no i'm sorry not dry masa fresh masa and beer um and chilies and he makes this batter and it's just super crispy and he'll fry those uh flathead bellies in that and it's it's otherworldly. It's yeah. so good. No, no sauce. Like, I mean, you don't need anything. Really? You just, no, this is, this is the kind of thing that you're just going to eat like that. And it's, it's phenomenally good, but yeah. And underappreciated too, you know, but you know, again, it's just like one of those pursuits that at the end of it, I mean, it's just, it's that, it's that food for me, you know, it's just like, get excited. You, you re- do you really feel like that with hunting and fishing that the meal is the ultimate driver for you? I, I feel like I, I don't want to, I don't want to distill it down to that statement, but I, I function on a, on a freezer model. And I literally mean how my freezer looks and what's in it as to what I want to do next. So for that reason, you know, Ben and I on the way down here, we're talking and he's just like, he's also fired up about elk. And mm-hmm. I, and I told him and I was like, I don't ever want to shoot an elk. And he was, he, you know, he, he wasn't like taken aback. I didn't want to be my friend anymore. And I was like, well, let me clarify. It's like, I, I would love to go on an elk hunt. I would love to go with somebody else, but I don't want to shoot. I don't want to pull the trigger on an elk cause it's too big. Cause then it doesn't allow me an elk is probably like three hill country white tails worth or maybe four. And so I yeah, want to go shit. on, Depends, man. I want to go on four yeah you, want, yeah you want the experience instead of one big elk hunt and just kind of do it all at once and i also like to have a good amount of like diverse meats in the in the freezer and fish or, or and whatever like i want to have some some hog and some deer and some turkey and some some saltwater fish and some freshwater fish um and and whatever else comes along some doves and things like that and i know how how we eat as a, you know as a family unit and so it's just really important for me to, to manage my hunting around that. And I'll give you a really good example is that for a couple of years, I didn't hunt ducks because I wasn't doing my job of preparing the ducks where everybody was enjoying them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's some other factors like in central Texas, it's our ducks are not, I mean, they're mostly farm pond ducks. We're not shooting mallards. There's no rice. There's no cornfields. There's nothing like that. So you're just shooting these, these birds that are pretty average. We get a lot of ringnecks, um, some shoveler, things like that. And 
it's not always easy to make those delicious in in my perspective let alone the perspective of a 12 year old how are you making them that you didn't think uh, doing you know right? searing breasts um you know roasts and legs braising things like that i just wasn't getting it and then i started to really miss duck hunting mm-hmm. and so what i decided i needed to do was simultaneously if i was going to get back into duck hunting i had to figure out how to make them good for everyone yeah like how what am i going to do and so i just kind of just started delving into it you know i was reading books and every once in a while i'd come across a recipe and i'd be like oh you know what i'm gonna try this with ducks and the real revelation was that evan uh funk's funk i don't know if his name is funk or funky it's f-u-n-k-e he's a very famous uh pasta chef i believe he's in l.a he wrote this fantastic book about making pasta and, and all these different pasta sauce recipes. And he has this meth method for making ragu. And I looked at it one day and I was like, that could really apply to all these different game meats where you would really extract this beautiful flavor out of this certain animal, but also make it hyper palatable and familiar. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, then you just take pasta and a little pat of butter and some Parmesan and I bet I could pull this one off. And I started doing that with ducks, and it was a real winner. And, we're, and I was even incorporating the livers and hearts and gizzards into this, and to really getting full utilization out of it and serving it to everybody. And and everybody was digging it. And also making confit, the whole mm, the half mm, duck, mm-hmm. and then grilling that and serving it with something nice, you know, sweet and sour yeah. on it. Maybe a side of fries and a salad, which is just my like go to. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah. Fries and a salad and and some kind of beautiful little protein and it started to work. And then I felt justified in hunting ducks more. And, but then I also knew there was a limit, you know, it's like, we're enjoying this, but I probably can get away with killing 15 ducks mm-hmm. this year. And that's probably about how many, if you use the whole bird, man, that's, that's, that's a quite lot. A bit. Yeah. It's quite a bit. Um, and my daughter killed an odd ad, uh, a wild sheep and, uh, an axis deer, which is the most delicious thing walking, I think. Um, and a pig. Um, I shot, I only shot a deer and a pig this year compared to 12 year old who shot the deer, a pig and a sheep. So but she all really, that meat's going into the same freezer, same freezer. Um, but so our freezer is really looking really good right now. And I manage it all by that too. I mean, and then t- to come full circle, it's like, you know, after a couple of years of data, you can look at that freezer and, and remember what everybody ate. What's the first thing out? Yeah. What's the first thing out? And I'll tell you what the first thing out of my freezer is, is turkey. The turkey gets hit hard. It's like, hey, what do you guys want to eat tonight? Or I'm thawing something tomorrow. The answer is, it's going to be turkey, you know? And it's like, it's something... Leaning that, towards breast meat, would you say? I'd say leaning towards breast meat because there's the, you know, the pounded out cutlet or fried turkey. You know, yeah. my, my birthday meal is going to be fried turkey breast and uh, hopefully dewberry cobbler. Oh, shit. That's my... That's like, that's it for me. Like, that's like, I don't want to go get a steak and, and a martini. I want that. You know, like that's like for me the best. And that's that's shared in my household as being like. When's your birthday? May 15th. Yeah, that's perfect. Dude, can I? So look, I would never. I I respect your culinary talent so much. I would never uh, think to give you recommendations. Oh, try my recipe. Because you said dewberry, food, (laughs) Dude, and I've like really been crummy about posting recipes and stuff. But on the website, man, I got a. uh, it's dewberry and balsamic vinegar ice cream. Oh, yeah. It's super wow. simple, man. And you know that that balsamic vinegar just like essentially makes it buttermilky, right? Yeah. Dude, it's, and it's very, very simple. I mean, you already know how to make it because I just told you the ingredients, right? You know, like, you know how to make it, put in an ice cream maker. That shit is awesome, dude. That sounds and amazing. I, I bet. I mean, maybe it would be overkill with the cobbler, but maybe it would just be like... Like one beautiful woman, two beautiful women. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> you know? like, yeah, I mean, just like a little dash of it for acid yeah. and depth and a little more sweetness. I could see how, like, on a flavor spectrum, those two inhabit, like, those two ingredients inhabit a very similar slice of that, you know, just right there. So, I, and I dewberries totally are so prolific, easy to find. We go, to, we go up to the park in my neighborhood and we can just wear them out. Yeah. The kids, you know, it's easy for kids. 
uh, that's a very accessible and like it's familiar. Right. But like just that, man, like that's a very, or like these mulberries out here in this tree, man. Yeah. Like just, uh, you know, we have daughters and like how you're trying to raise your kid, man. Just like them understanding, oh, I can pay attention to the season, know that, you know, the dewberries are going to be out in the park and yeah. take a walk over there and oh, we, we fill do. my pockets. I, I mean, again, it's all, it's all management and I, I love picking berries a lot. Like, I mean, I'm not going to say as much as crappie fishing or turkey hunting, but it's up there. I have Onyx folders full of uh, waypoints marked on dewberry patches so that when we know it's on, if we want to spend a day, I can just get my map out and we can hit 20, 30 patches. What is it about? All over the is it the act of picking berries? Yeah, it's yes. And also I just, I love them. I mean, I think everybody responds to, I mean, there's certain foods that you love, you know, it's like, I, I don't, you know, I won't pick up a, an orange and eat it, but I love, I love berries for some reason. I don't know if these uh, prejudices or, or, or likes or genetic or what, what they are, but I love blackberries and other berries a lot. Um, and I like cobbler and I like to make, uh, a dewberry jam. Um, just straight up dewberry jam to have on wheat toast with too much butter. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, it's just things. You that brought I some like. mulberry. Uh, you brought some mulberry. It might have been called mulberry chutney or something, but it was like jam from a daidui. Yeah, that was quite good with all the seeds in it too, which I appreciate. Oh, man. I like the seeds. Yeah, I like that little bit of texture. But I mean, again, you know, as the seasons roll, it's like it's all about for me. It's just it's management. You know, it's like. Well, now's the time to go out and get this. And after a while, you kind of distill it down into the things that you love the most, either the activity or the food. And when you can align those two things, and I think it takes years to get there. You know, it's like now I, I know that I want to hunt ducks probably four times and then I'll have enough ducks. I need to kill X amount of deer or deer sized animals. You know, when the, you know, I need, I could I don't know what the limit on turkeys is though. Like I have never hunted turkeys out of state. Uh, so I've always been limited to four turkeys and that's not enough not to be greedy, but it's not enough. Um, so this year I'm able to expand that and hopefully I'm going to get way more than four turkeys. Um, cause we will eat a ton of them. And so now I know that it's like, maybe I need to apply all my energy and resources into traveling um, out of state to hunt turkeys because it's not only the thing I love, but also the food that, that we love the most. And then I'll come back and it'll be berry season. And then it's, then it's hot as hell here in Texas. And I got to figure out what to do, go to the coast and go flounder gigging or whatever, or just sit back. Um, but I kind of, I love the approach of just trying, trying to fill this, this freezer or larder or pantry over the year with the things that you love and then also the things that will actually be consumed rather than kind of doing it the other way going out and maybe um hunting something and 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 your family doesn't like it you know and i hear that a lot too and i, I just i find that kind of sad you know it's just like I, I wish that everybody could kind of get into a groove of, of where you could have it all where you would you could you could hunt the things that you you love to hunt and eat the things that you love to eat and then figure that out uh, for yourself. It's going to be different for everybody. Man, that's, I so identify with that sentiment and yeah, dude, I think Turkey is super. I mean, I would say the Turkey breast went quickest. I was also last year, man, I was very, I was, I was pretty loose with, uh, also, man, I was like traveling and staying at people's houses, man. Like, Mm. of course they're gonna you know like i'm gonna use a breast up and make a really nice dinner for him right? you're telling me you give away turkey dude i gave hal herring uh, a breast a leg and a thigh last year man. you are a very generous person. i gave uh up in oregon it was lydia parker's i'd stayed at her house for a week and it was her mom's birthday yeah. so i cooked her family dinner yeah i probably i killed six turkeys last year and i probably gave away four breast lobes and I felt so good doing it until I didn't have them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, dude, for me at my house, it would, I would think turkey and bear. Yeah. Uh, that's what's, that's what we're going through the quickest. Uh, and, you know, I killed that bear this year in September and knew right then I wasn't going to deer hunt. 
Like I didn't need to. I like the bear meat so much better than deer meat. And deer meat's good. And like yeah. it, to me, deer meat is like man. When we killed, uh, we killed some does and uh, some pigs down here. And uh, dude, I did fifty-fifty ground them both and just mixed it, man. And that's been our that's our ground meat, you know. Yeah. When I'm gone and Marion's like, uh, you know, it's six o'clock. I got to feed these kids. Everything's going crazy, man. Like spaghetti or mm-hmm. or tacos or meatloaf, and that's that's been phenomenal. But you know, I just I want to I want to braise bear roast and just eat them like that, just like mm-hmm. with the sinew and everything turned to gelatin, and I'm just like slurping it up, you know, and. And I I am into grilling turkey breast, but still, I mean, if they told you you could cook it one way, man, fried. it's got to be fried, right? That's phenomenal. It's so good, man. And yeah, it's so, it, it's a great way to ease people into the idea. Like we were discussing last night, like people just thinking that that guy asked Ben O'Brien, uh, he's like, do you have to take, you know, if you kill an elk, do you have to take it to the government for them to check out before you can eat it? Right. Right. Like a turkey is so familiar the 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 wild analog to the domestic it's close enough in flavor and texture mm-hmm. when you're dealing with breast that it's not a big thing for folks to get over yeah it's not a, it's not uh, a stretch it's a great way to bring them in and i think like you were talking about very much doing stuff that's very accessible last year for the kid's birthday my my daughter's like their birthday is like may 14th and june 1st so as they were little we'd do their parties together right uh like what do you normally do like order a bunch of little caesars or hot dogs or something right and i did still real easy stuff but i did turkey carnitas and like just had a little taco spread i did a bunch of uh you know like the you know essentially what a lot of people do is like barbecue sauce and like a thing of grape jelly in a crock pot with like little smokies you ever had that just like cocktail weenies sorry no really dude that's like I think that's that's probably just like middle America, just like we're having a potluck. But I just basically did these like something adjacent to that with like spicy tomato sauce with some jam in there to sweeten it up mm-hmm. and bear meatballs. Yeah. And then I smoked a mountain lion <laughs> loin and then braised it down and did like uh, little barbecue sliders. And like what happens is it's very familiar. And all those things are really good too to eat. But it's very familiar, like just in the presentation. So everyone's like, "Ooh, I'll try a little mountain lion. Uh-huh. Ooh, a little wild turkey." Yeah. Right. And at the end, of, and you see them eating it, and then they realize they enjoy it. And at the end of it, like they feel like they've had this experience, and it's changed their perspective a little bit on 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 just like the pursuit and the the reason to go after it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's a. I mean, you're serving mountain lion at your kid's birthday party. Like you're not. You're probably not a scumbag hunter. Right, you're probably yeah. not like low life and critters. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I think the familiarity, or also like, we always put things in. Maybe it's the reverse context. It's like maybe maybe fried turkey breast is the best fried poultry, and that fried chicken is a poor substitute for it. Ooh, dude, that's dude. You know what is probably the greatest thing ever, man? Is to, and I did this in Oregon last year. My buddy's uh uh, Joseph Haberly, who was on the podcast last year, uh, him and his girlfriend, Olivia had a ton of dried morels. They'd gotten the year before, dude. And we just did like, like how you did the other day, man, like that panko crusted cutlet. Right. Mm-hmm. And then just shit tons of butter and saute those morels in that butter, man. And you know, you can throw like some capers or something in there just to give it a little tangy pop. Dude, I mean, you could sit and eat that stuff till you were sick. Mm-hmm. It's so good. And it's like, it's a dirty old mushroom mm-hmm. from the woods, you know, and butter and this turkey breast. And I I dare you to find something that tastes better than that. Yeah. I mean, those are three pristine ingredients. <laughs> Pretty good, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Real hard turn real quick, uh, and we'll start wrapping up. But uh, there's two things I wanted to cover in this podcast. And I would say this, man, like I've wanted to, I've wanted to do a podcast with you since I met you, man. I was like, dude, uh, and I so appreciate you taking the time, but, uh, absolutely. I'm so glad you came down here, dude. Yeah, it was, it, it was, man, I was, when I was driving down here, man, I was just like thinking about uh, just like, 
and not to be too savvy, just like so filled with gratitude, man. I was like, dude, I got these like beautiful. So my daughters came and stayed with some family friends down at the beach. And I got, man, I was like, I got my kids who I like love the shit out of, right? And I'm driving down to Texas to hang out with like a, a stellar group of people at this rad place to chase these birds. Uh, ate phenomenal food. It's like well thought out. Just every part of it was so good, I, I, and it just surpassed my expectation. But anyway, here's a question I have for you. When we talked, when we first met, and uh, I was talking to you about, like, I had just started being able to travel and hunt some different places. And I was like, man, we were talking about hunting other places. And you said, you said, I don't, like, I don't want to kill a deer. Or maybe it was an elk thing, but you said, those aren't my deer. Mm-hmm. Right? You said, I want, I want to hunt in Texas, right? And then you're like, man, I'm going to go uh, four different places and mm. hunt these turkeys, mm, man. That's, that's a good point. So I, I, uh, and I'm stoked that you're doing it, but I wonder how you're, how did that change and, or that willingness or that desire to, to change your, uh, your stance on that? And, and is it just limited to turkeys or do you think it will, you might kill a whitetail somewhere else? Uh, okay. Yeah. That's man. That's a great question. I think that it's good to, have conversations where you're challenged, you know, and I might not even have a satisfactory answer other than, than it's something that I want, you know, and, mm. and I'm not going to justify it even through the, the, the earlier narrative of, of the freezer management, although that's a big part of it. Um, and then what I was saying is that I, I want more Turkey and I'm limited to four in Texas. Um, I, I think that Turkey represents to me personally, Turkey hunting represents to me a, a culture and, um, a a geographic uh, dispersal that's really attractive. Um, the people that hunt turkeys and that are really uh, fanatical about it are very interesting to me. The hunting of the turkeys is really interesting to me. And the fact that you can go to these very disparate places that are going to look so different. I mean, I am going from here, this South Texas scrub of mesquite and oak and weasatch and cat's claw and sage and rocks uh, to Georgia, where it's going to be cypress and tupelo and Mm -hmm. oak and longleaf pine. And to my mind, like heart of American turkey hunting culture. Exactly. Uh, Georgia for turkeys is like Arkansas for ducks. Yeah. And then after that, Eastern Oregon, which I don't, I don't when people try to describe it to me, I'm kind of like, hey, would you not? <laughs> I don't even want to hear about it because I, I can't even wrap my, I can't even have an expectation of what Eastern Oregon's going to look like mm-hmm. other than nothing like I think it's going to look like. So I don't even want to know until I, first enter that valley and be like, Whoa, this is not what I expected. Is it mountains? Is it, I, I have no experience up there at all. Um, in that part of the world. So I want it, I want it to be like opening a present. And Dude, then there's I get, pot, there's, there's spots. And, and I know it's that pretty cause I saw someone on Instagram post and it was just something I'd just driven through by myself. There's stuff that in Eastern Oregon, that's some of the most beautiful stuff I've seen on earth. Yeah. Like, and that's not like I'm the most well-traveled person, but God, and dude, there's critters, man. Like you, you'll get to see, yeah. you'll see animals. You, well, I don't know. Like you'll see animals in like places you, you ex- expect to see it. There's a lot of shit that looks like a beer can out there, you know? Huh? <laughs> I mean, and then the people that I get to hunt with, you yeah. know, like I said, it's like, it's been set up and it's other chefs and I'm just trying to delve into into turkey and if um this is an education for me and whether i do it again i don't know and then to come back to the do i want to kill a whitetail somewhere else and the answer is probably not mm-hmm. um we I, I i manage this ranch and and we have a large population of whitetails here that we we try to cull and control and there's an i have other i'm very very lucky to have opportunities to hunt um, close to home and some very beautiful places too. Um, you know, I've, I've thought about maybe pronghorn, you know, but you know, when I think pronghorn, my first inclination would be to shoot one in West Texas. I still feel like that's still a resource that I could lay some tacit claim to. Um, is, that, than, is that a, is that a thing? Like people yeah, are hunting them in West Texas? There's a few, 
Okay. It's not Wyoming. Now, if I was smart, I would just go to Wyoming, but I still feel funny about it. And I can't honestly tell you the difference between not going to Wyoming and, and hunting pronghorn, but feeling justified in going to Oregon and Connecticut to hunt turkeys. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to have to just, uh, plead guilty, uh, to, um, a real, a misdemeanor of hypocrisy here and, and touring around for turkeys. But I, I'm super excited. I'm also, I'm nervous, you know, I'm, I'm flying to all these places and doing all these things and, uh, you know, flying with shotguns and, you know, dealing with TSA and flights and air airports and, all these things that are, are not going to be super fun, uh, book ending something that, that if not super fun will be educational. Um, I'm, I'm just fascinated by it. And I think that I, I'm, I'm to the point where I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna sign up for the class, you know, this season, this season is it. I'm going to sign up for it and try to learn as much as I can in a kind of a condensed, uh, like timeline for it too. And everything opened up where I was, I was able to, to do it, um, with other commitments and things like that. So, so yeah, I'm doing it. Maybe when we talk in mid May, I will be like, yeah, I booked a moose hunt in Siberia or something. I'll be like something yeah, just yeah, completely yeah. off the wall. Seas of the lions. Yeah. Next. Yeah. I mean, and maybe it'll, it'll change it or maybe I'll see these places or I mean, likely I'll see these places and hunt with this stellar group of people that I'm about to spend all this time with. And, and they're going to do the same thing that I'm saying to you is like, when, when are you coming back? You know, yeah, to yeah, do yeah, this yeah. again. No, there's no, there's no way you're not going to want to continue doing it. Uh, okay. Last thing I wanted to bring up, man. And it's mostly just, so do a little wrap up. This has been great, man. I've, I'm, I'm so grateful, uh, for the opportunity, dude. It's, it's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, dude, I was, so I've told some people this man, but when you came, it was this weird deal when you came and you went catfishing and then it was like in a two weeks, shit, 10 days or something. Like I think Newcomb was on Joe Rogan and then you were there like right after you went catfishing, right? Mm. I was like, dude, this is weird, man. Like all these people I know are on the biggest podcast in the world, right? But anyway, man, so uh, you were talking about coming up to Arkansas and catfishing. And you were talking about, mom, this dude's using Zote soap and, you know, Jamie, look that up, right? But, uh, dude, the way that you, like... How do I say this? Like, just re real talk, man. When you brought me up on that podcast, I feel like that's one of the nicest things anyone's ever done for me. Because the way you went about it, you were like, there's this guy named Jonathan Wilkins in Arkansas, this place called Black Duck Revival. And, like, it was very apparent that you understood uh, the power of that platform and you went out of your way to, like give me some access to it, man. And, uh, I mean, dude, I, it's not like I made a bunch of money off of it, but I will say I booked more hunts from your recommendations on Instagram than probably any other single source. Uh, because the people that are into you, like they trust you and it would, it makes sense that they like, we just have a, it makes sense. Like some of our people would intersect, you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, but dude, that, uh, now I did run into a guy at a grocery store that was waiting for me by my van. And he goes, is this your van? And I was like, yeah. He's like, I've been following you on Instagram since I heard about you on the Joe Rogan show. And he was a, uh, it was an Herba Mate supplier. And he loaded me up with a bunch of Herba Mate. <laughs> but man, yeah, I just wanted to say, dude, and I, it's so, I think it's so indicative of just who you are as a person. There was net, there was nothing in that for you. And you were, it was just such a, a magnanimous thing to do. And I just so appreciate it, man. And I, uh, I so appreciate you as a, just like a person and a force in this space. And dude, I'm, I'm so glad to get to be buddies with you, man. Like really, you're one of my favorite people, dude. Well, it's, it's completely mutual. And I want to, I want to say that, I mean, the reason I brought it up is like, I think we were still kind of riding a high from that experience. And, and that experience is, is very simple is that you, take people out in a boat and you run limb lines, limb lines. And I think if you, 
if you just analyze that statement, you don't really understand that the depth of what that experience was like and like how impressive the whole thing was, your knowledge of the swamp, your boatmanship, which was the first thing that I really noticed is just like how you maneuvered in the woods. You're a woodsman. And I feel like that I really enjoy experiences like that and that other people should, if they're interested in it. And there's a lot of people out there that offer experiences that are selling that, but they don't serve it. Mm. And you did uh, and very well. And then the food that you made for us every night was also like, I, I can't forget it. Like how good it was mm. and how, when you, when you go out during the day and you, experience this very special place that to some would dismiss it as a as a swamp that they just need to drive through it to get out you know and not only did we get to experience that that this this i mean utterly gorgeous place full of water moccasins and dappled sunlight and brown water that was it's so special and like nothing i've ever seen before but then you come home or come back to the lodge and you have this meal and you talk about the area and the region and the people and their interactions. And that condensed into a, I mean, honestly, probably around a 48 hour experience, something so formative and uh, just interesting to me that it's easy to sell that. And it's easy to, I think that the world would be a better place if more people experience that. And you're, you're definitely not the only person out there that, that is there and doing something of that quality, but you're one of the only ones. And so it's, it's easy to, to promote that because I honestly do feel that people need to experience that. And you're, you're very good at what you do. I didn't know that before I went there, but I knew it real quick once we got there. And so it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was easy to do. And I am, uh, I'm honestly very glad that it's, it's, uh, paid off in, in a way, but it's deserving. It's not like throwing out your, a sponsor's name or something like that, that you feel like you have to do. Yeah. Um, there's definitely no, <laughs> you have not been paid. <laughs> I assure you. <laughs> <laughs> well, in a way. And I, and also I think it's, um, I like, I like what we're doing here as we're trading trips. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. Like we're trading, we're trading experiences because we both em, em, enjoy these same things. We want to go be outdoors until we have to go indoors. At which point, we're going to eat and drink really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, yeah. you know, that's a good groove to be in. And so, uh, I am going to shoot my first mallard with you. Yeah, dude. I was going to say, man, if you're going to hunt four times for ducks, man, please. It didn't work out this year, but come up, dude. We'll. I mean, O'Brien's got to come now too, man. Yeah, because he's getting to be the bud. But uh, yeah, man, we'll have some. And I'll tell you what else I think is going to happen. I'm just going to put it on the table. I think you're going to love Turkey Tour, right? And I think the element you're going to realize that you're missing is what I figured out, which is as good as a Turkey Tour, which is watching the topography change. So, like the drive from West Texas to uh, middle of California is righteous, mm. and you see that topography change, and it mm -hmm. it it helps it helps the journey feel like a journey right right and it's also i think it's it's way more comfortable you can stop you see something interesting get tired pull over the it fucking loves truck stop and take a nap man walk around go stomp around some woods or whatever you want to do uh and then also man that drive from like east oregon into montana mm. like i'd say the idaho panhandle that's i've been mesmerized by it since I went through it. Uh, and so just finding those places, I think, uh, but so anyway, next Turkey tour, man, we'll just, we got to make it intersect so where you can like ride with me in the van for a few days. I love that. Turkeys, maybe New Mexico, New Mexico. Well, I, I, I wish you the best of luck on your tour and, um, let's, uh, promise to just send pics. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Dude. Of dead birds or, uh, good meals good meals or just a, a a beautiful hillside yeah 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 it'll they'll be out there dude uh but anyway so jesse we got to get out of here but uh just tell folks how they can get a hold of you uh eat your food or eat food that you've 
you've written the recipes for. Yeah, I have uh, two cookbooks out. The first one was published. We tried to figure that out the other night, a long time ago, something like 12, 13 years ago. A Field um, was my first cookbook. And then uh, last year, we released The Hog Book, which is all about cooking and eating feral hog. Um, I own a restaurant on the east side of Austin called Daidue, and it's on Mainer Road. Like I said, Austin's east side serves up a lot of game, a lot of a lot of locally produced foods and vegetables and cheeses and dairies and fishes and things like that. Um, yeah, that's it. Sackle on Instagram. That's right. That's right. S a c dot a dot l a i t on the Instagram. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know what that means, look it up. It'll tell you everything you need to know about who Jesse Griffiths is. Uh, seriously, dude, thank you so much. Thank uh, you. Thanks for taking the time. And, folks, thanks for listening. Until next time. Thank you so much for listening all the way through to this episode of the Black Duck Revival podcast. If you've listened for any amount of time, then you know that it's produced by me, Jonathan Wilkins, and Brian Sachs. Go to the website. It's blackduckrevival.com. We'll be announcing uh, the hunt school schedule for this coming season here in about, uh, probably when I get back from turkey tour, so next month or so. Uh, You can also follow me on Instagram, and if you know about turkey tour and you know about this uh, month-long trip that I'm on, uh, carousing and bebopping my way across these western United States, uh, then you'll know that the best place to follow and see updates about that would be on my Instagram page, which is just Black Duck Revival. Uh, if you love the podcast, if you like the podcast, if you tolerate it, please leave a review, written or five stars. If you're feeling it on Apple or Spotify, helps us out tremendously. Uh, and hey, speaking of that, I got a really really uh sweet email uh from a friend in in north carolina uh and they took the time to kind of itemize through some of the most impactful podcasts uh that we've done in the last year or so and i just want to say bill thank you so much for uh taking the time not only to listen i mean if you've listened to all these podcasts i'm uh, amazed and very heartened to hear that and very thankful but also like thank you for spending time with all these people that i get to share with you guys because uh, i think all of them are awesome uh, many of them are my friends many of them are people that i look up to and uh, i'm just so glad that uh, some of you are getting something out of it as well so again thanks for listening until next time <laughs>